Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Racing Only Better podcast ahead of Sandown this weekend. It is, of course, the Eclipse Stakes. Only four go to post for the Eclipse. We will get to that in due course. We're going to be going through all the ITV racing from not only Sandown, but Haydock as well. Lots of competitive action. Uh, and I'm joined, as always, by Brendan Duke, Tony Calvin and Kevin Blake. Let's jump straight in TC because we, like I say, want to give this racing plenty of time. But first and foremost, I want weather watch. And it's relevant because we've had plenty of rain over here. We've had some pretty heavy isolated downpours, but we've got a bit of a patchy forecast, I think. Uh, no, not really. I think we're, really? All, we're all pretty much set fair from as of about five minutes ago. Okay. We are yeah, couldn't, couldn't be better, Vanessa. Couldn't be better. Right. I are currently the ITV weather forecast, and it did not say this, but go on, go on. Yeah, but they ITV racing never even tell you what races they're covering to about ten minutes before the first. Um, sand down currently on the round course, good, good to soft. Sprint course is good to soft, good. And that was after fifteen mil on Tuesday night. Uh, Haydock is good, good to soft in places. Both forecasts are pretty much set fair. Um, but there is a risk of a thunderstorm at Sandown on Saturday, which will probably stop Andrew Cooper from watering on Friday night because he was making noises that he wasn't ruling out uh, any more irrigation, um, which is quite surprising given it's predominantly good to soft. But those are the times we live in. Uh, I look at Indeed. Well, just to back you up, Vanessa, I, I had a weather forecast that said there was a 48% chance of a thunderstorm on Saturday morning in Haydock, which could dump eight mils on the track. Oh, level, Thank levels, you, Brendan. Levels, you devils. Levels, you devils. They, they, they probably that. surreptitiously already put on 10 mil there on the Friday night <laughs> anyway, so a thunderstorm won't, won't be here nor there. All it's right, before... Before we go any further, don't forget Bet 5, Get 5. That's the sportsbook offer this Saturday on horse racing multiples. Have a £5 bet on horse racing multiples. Get a free £5 bet on horse racing multiples on Saturday with the Betfair Sportsbook. But please do it responsibly and please read the T's and C's. Let's kick on. We're going to start with Sandown, the 150. Up first, it is the Coral Charge over the five furlongs. And this is a rematch of the King's Stand form. We've got Marshman in here at 72, top of the market, taking on Anaf, who finished ahead of him. Behind Brad Sell, of course, at Royal Ascot is 5-1. to one. Equilateral also brings in same line of form, finished fifth at Ascot. Equality is in there at 13-2. to two, And then even the rank outsider in here. Um, I mean, there's there's cases to be made for loads of these horses. TC, I'm going to start with you in here. Um, yeah. Is it all about that Kingston form or do we expect something else to put their head above the parapet? Uh, in short, if you shop around at the moment, we were calling this very early on Thursday afternoon. If you shop around now, it's 11 to 2 the field, which tells you everything you need to know about the nature of the race. Very close unit on official ratings. Um, there could be an angle from the pace map. Now, there's no habitual front runner in here, but I think I'll take probably odds on that diligent Harry will be leading after a furlong. And that could be the angle into the in, into him, as is the fact that he's stepping down from six furlongs to five furlongs for only the third time. Now, very fast horse in a five furlong race shocker, uh, but he, he goes from the front. He's been being picked up late, but he's been running really well. Um, there is some 14s knocking around in the marketplace. I think the sportsbook are 10 or 11. Um, I think any double figure price is, is is okay on the grounds that 
you know, you're going to get two or three hard luck stories as you always do at Sandown's five furlong track. So a uh, double figure price, I would probably go towards diligent Harry because he's likely to get out in front and he's likely to be the master of his own fate, which is probably a big plus around Sandown's five furlong track. Diligent Harry currently 10 to 1 and has Kieran Schumacher back on board, who gets on with him well. Went to Newcastle to win on him that day. Brandon, a few starts back. Do you agree with the Diligent Harry angle at a price, or where did you well, land? Well, I have the same pace uh, map as Tony. I thought he was he was the out and out pace, but I thought there were enough prominent runners to keep him honest. That I mean, you're never going to have a five furlong dawdle because I I do need this race to be run at a good strong pace because I'm putting up Anaf, who would have been dropped in anyway, but now will definitely have to be dropped in from uh, drawn 11, a brutal draw, but maybe for a horse with his run style, not so brutal. I mean, you could make a case that he, that, that, that he should be, be fav because he, he was, uh, he, he was the horse who was third in the King stand, but I get it. Marshman was 10 to one that day, whereas Anaf was 50 to one that day, but it's not like he was 50 to one, but it's not like the run came out of nowhere. I mean, he ran up an all weather hat trick at the turn of the year, looking really impressive. Then a stiff six furlongs in, Newcastle was probably a bit too much from ran well, ran a, a, a huge race in the Duke of uh, York. I mean, that, that form, that as your blue Highfield princess, Comanche Falls, that's rock solid form. Not, not so good in Haydock on penultimate start, but I mean, that's basically his only bad run in his last eight, eight efforts. So I expect him to run to his usual consistent level. We'll have to be ridden for a bit of luck, but the boy Ross Orion, very talented operator. I hope he can uh, get the breaks. And I just about thought he was the most likely winner. And we might even get bigger than five to one, given people look at the draw and say, ah, too, too, too hard. All right. Case made for Anath. Kev, over to you for the charge. Um, didn't have a big view, Vanessa, but I, I draw attention to the bottom one here just because she's really interesting. I only copped this myself. Lady Hamana, um, she's interesting because she was born in Australia to Northern Hemisphere time. Her birth date is actually wrong in the Racing Post there at the top. Um, she's actually born in February down in Australia. And that's why she has been able to run in the races she has been. So, yeah, she's pretty unusual. But no, I filed into the too hard category myself. Too hard category. Well, let's roll on then to the Coral Challenge, which is the one mile handicap at 225 at Sandown. And Indemnify is having a first run for Alice Haynes, a six to one co favourites with Perotto at the moment at the top of the market, closely followed by Uzo for the Osborne team at 13 to two. Positive in there for Clive Cox and now for mention Ross Orion. Um, Indemnify, obviously, TC, a course and distance winner of late, but this yard change is interesting and angle in there. And Perotto was your horse at Ascot in the Royal Hunt Cup. Well, plenty of people's horses that um, the Hunt Cup, which slightly disappointed on the day. Yeah, very disappointing. A number of horses ran well below par there. Uh, yeah, Indemnify bought 125 of that silly goff sale on the Monday before Royal Ascot switched from Varian to Alice Haynes. Yeah, so that could be an angle. Uh, I didn't see much pace in here, so that could be quite interesting. I've got Spirit Catcher, but he's coming out at 12. I'm wondering whether they'll go forward on Revich from free again. I suspect that could well be um, that could well be a like, sneaky angle for them because he's run some good races from the front, but he hasn't been going uh, for, uh, prominently uh, recently. The two I landed on, um, and I backed them already this morning at 14. Sports work a bit lower. I think positive, um, one from one at the track. We actually beat Cameco here in the Solario four years ago. So, you know, I like track form. That's probably not that relevant. 
Um, but if you go and have a look at the Hunt Cup run, a positive, um, he dropped a pound for that. But I think you could really upgrade that. He he was he made his uh, charge down the middle, um, which probably wasn't the place to be. So I think you can mark up that. And I just think on his on various lines of form, including his all-weather form, he, he won either side of the new year. I thought he was reasonably handicapped uh, off a mark of 105. Any double-figure prices for that would would probably uh, appeal. Four places in this with the sports book, by the way. And I can't let Intelligent go unbacked. Um, like Perotto, he was one of the two horses I put up in the Hunt Cup. I played towards the top of the market. That had a predictable end because I'm a I'm a shite judge of a, a, of a short price. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought he was going to go a favourite at one point, Intelligent, the night before. Uh, but somebody on Betfair knew he wasn't going to run well because he drifted all the way out to 18 at the off. And he was, I think he, tra- he was training in the 20s at one point, which is mad. So they predicted that run, bad run correctly. Uh, if you throw that run out, um, he's, re- he's, he's really well handicapped now for mark of 100. He, you know, he wasn't trying a yard at Newbury previously as a tee-up job for the Hunt Cup, that backfired. But the hand, the angle there is the handicap has dropped him four pounds in one fell hit, swoop even, um, to mark of 100. And I think that's an overreaction on one bad run. So I played positive and intelligent against the field here. All right, intelligent currently 12s on the sports book and positive an eight to one shot currently. Uh, case made by TC there. Uh, Brendan, I suppose a lot of people will be looking to give Perotto a pass maybe for the Royal Ascot run. Obviously, a hood on now comes here. Are you of a forgiving nature when it comes to a horse like him? Well, he I, I mean, he's not a great horse in terms of energy conservation. I suppose he's getting a little bit better at settling in his races, but they're not the type of horses uh, that, that, that I like to back. In this case, I like to back the horse that has potentially getting the soft lead, as Tony mentioned, this spirit catcher. He was the only pace I could find. Now, the perils of pace, Max Vanessa. I mean, the other jockeys are going to look at this and they might say, well, we, we'll show some initiative here. But on the face of things, it looks like spirit catcher could get a solo here. Now, you could also argue that the handicapper has him. I mean, his last four runs, three, two, two, two. But I mean, he was just touched oh, first, off by first that. Yes, Gamble landed. Well, I'm giving you a sense of the beast consistency. Again, that the, the handicapper is happy to take him on on eight at 87. But beating a nose by Latam. Uh, Latam, Irish Lincoln winner, despite nearly getting knocked over. And then second to that, Jimi Hendrix in the Spring Cup. So he's a rock-solid operator. The previous time, beating a length and a quarter by a filly of George Bowie's, who's, who, who was on a rare roll at the time. Unfortunately, she went lame on her next run. So that's a, a complete throwout run. So he's run into two potentially well-handicapped progressive horses. He's on a fair mark. He looks like he's going to get a tactical edge. He's 14 to 1 with the extra place. I mean, it looks it looks a pretty knock in each way bet to me, the old spirit catcher. Yeah, 14 to 1, Brendan. I, I like it when Brendan turns on that sort of like knowing tone. It's like, come on, guys, cop on here. That's what it's that's what the tone was there. Uh Kev, you said that the first race was too tough. Did you find this a little bit easier? No, oh, I found it easier than than the lads. Now and Manny Vanessa, because I'm in a beautiful position coming into this race. I have zero zero wounds from Parato at Royal Ascot. I, I didn't get I didn't get involved. I didn't take the slaps. I didn't take the punishment. And I can approach this fresh. And, and I think there's a genuine excuse for Ascot in that. Like sure it was just a classic pace collapse, really, wasn't it? 
like anything that was up there um, ended up out the back of the telly and he was near enough in front two furlongs out. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to forgive him. He wasn't beaten all that far. Um, handicappers dropped him back another couple. And um, yeah, look, low draw. They put a hood on, which hints that, that they may want to go a little bit quieter in terms of the ride, which I don't really want. Um, given the pace map, I'd be happy for him to sit up there reasonably handy, but hopefully he goes reasonably handy in the hood house and relax a little bit because look, as the uh, as a bunch of the lads ma- made the case um, prior to the Hunt Coppola, he is just fiercely well handicapped um, based on what we saw you know, multiple times from him over the years. And um, having, ha- having, you know, dashed many hopes at Ascot, he might... Um, you might go and win here with, uh, with, with plenty of fellas not brave enough to go in again. <laughs> with Scarless Kevin Blake with Perotto. We like it. Right, on oh, we plenty, go. Plenty of, plenty of scars, physical and emotional, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> on we go to the distance, guys. The listed race over the mile. And Parisian here is your seven to four favourite for the John Quinyard, having following on from that excellent Sandring handicap run at Royal Ascot. Finished second that day, obviously on the right side of the track, but that was into handicaps after being sort of put in pretty deep waters in Group 1 company prior to that. This will be an easier race for her again. And she takes on the like of Stenton Glider, who's 9-2 to two here for the Hugo Palmer Yard. Bridestone at 13-2. to two. Magical Sunset was behind the favourite here when last seen for the Richard Hanyard, 7-1. to one. TC, I wanted to come to you first here, because weren't you giving Stenton Glider a good shout at some point, I feel, for a race that she might not be running? Were you giving her a positive mention? No. Oh, that wasn't you. Not that I recall anyway. I normally give most horses one spin throughout their careers, but I don't recall Becky in that one. Um, uh, I, I think I, I think I might have talked about her after the um, after, after the, the, the the Fred Darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah somebody did. Oh, actually, I might. Yeah, yeah, I, I did actually because I, I, I just made the angle on price grounds, didn't I? Because if you're yeah. fancy, if you're fancying Remarque for the Guineas at fours, you had to fancy Stenton Glide at thirty threes. Stop gaslighting Vanessa, Tony, please. You're giving her an awful <laughs> time. She's a lot on her mind, and you're ga- gaslighting her. For, for, on <laughs> if I know what gaslighting means, I would agree with you, but it's one of those things like gammon that I can never get my head around. Anyway, um, this race changed complexion uh, massively at the overnight stage. Uh, we had the short price favourite, Copiche, as a no-show. Uh, Silver Lady was the second favourite on the anti-post book. That didn't appear either. So Bruges um, is now the favourite on the back of that. Seven to four, the sports, but you can get bigger elsewhere. And I, I think I'm looking at at least twos on the exchange at the moment. So, but the case for Bruges is obvious. Um, um, I don't, well, obviously ran really well in the uh, Ascot, um, highly tried before then. Arguably unlucky not to win a group race of prestige last year. Yeah, you can fully see the case for her and... I'd imagine Andrew Black, obviously Chase Moore Farm, the owners, uh, sponsors at Sandown. I'd imagine they'll uh, they'll want to have a winner there. But twos, you can probably let her go. You know, um, uh, I'm back. Mostly because I don't think twos and five to two is actually a bad price. But the John Quinyard, the stable of the, the former stable, would bother you. They've had horses beaten, at least three or four beaten at sub two to one recently. And uh, they're not going great. Um, so the former John King would Bobby the Crystallian back to a mile interests me um, uh, I think she's got the raw form to play a hand here there's no standout here after Capiz came out and the first time cheap pieces for Peter Chapaham he's quite interesting he's only one from 11 but he's had two seconds 
at the other 10 and two thirds at 20 to 1 and 28 to 1. I thought Crystallium is probably half an each way angle into this race at double figures. All right. A bit of a bigger price poke than for TC. What about you, Brandon, in here? First of all, have you ever gaslit anyone? No, 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 no. I'm very conscious of people's me- mental health for this. I, w- I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do something like that. Uh, no. <laughs> correct, correct answer. Correct answer. Um, I hope I don't get gaslit on Monday. But anyway, that's a that's a story for another day. Uh, mm. Go on, Brendan. What do you fancy here in the distaff? Well, it's interesting. I have a tale from the track for you actually about this oh. breach. And I, I suppose technically it's an aftertime as well. I met a man in Leopardstown. On, on the Thursday at the Royal Ascot weekend, he was only back from Royal Ascot and he'd been he'd been a very sociable man and he'd been uh, around all the parties and either John Quinn or someone close to the John Quinn stable said to him, have a few quid on Breeze and the Sandrigan. She hadn't come on her coat for the Irish guineas, but she's absolutely blossomed. So she was 33 to one. So I just had a small bed each way in her direct oh. places just, just, just in case. Yeah, what a twist I got, I, I, I got for it. So, so, so yeah, she, she's really come for herself. So that's a little bit of news from the track, if you can believe it. But all the same, I'm a bit concerned about the pace in this race. I couldn't find it, so I'm not really enjoying backing something at seven to four. So I thought I'd chance Stenton Glider, who's an interesting filly. I mean, uh, that Fred Darling form is very strong with Remarkey and Swing Along. Uh, filling the place is no good in the guineas then I suppose she's beaten three lengths in Germany but the filly who beat her for for what I know about German form granted uh, Habana is interesting she was unbeaten going into the pre-Marcel Boussac last year and she was only seven to one for the pre-Marcel Boussac so she's also been shown plenty in Germany now it was five lengths or sorry another two lengths back to that dream of love who also ran in the Sandringham off 103 Breeze ran off 100 so on collateral form I can see Stenton Glider definitely had has has a bit to for to find, but I just didn't think she'd enough to find to justify that differential in price. And I will also have to have a saver on these Bridestones. Now I know Vanessa back at unlucky news or shortcut to the poorhouse or what have you. But look at this thing in the Sandringham. I mean, she's a she's impeccably bred filly. She's out of a white moonstone. A very talented two year old went wrong. So she 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 didn't show up well in the trials, and then they sent her to the Puissant Allerai, and she didn't run great there either. But she comes back, runs in the Sandringham off ninety three. She's drawn on the wrong side as it is, and I mean you rarely see a horse get hampered the way she was hampered. She was basically brought to a standstill and Doyle had half given up and then she just started to find under him up that hill as well she's actually a very honest filly and he just uh, shook the reins at her and gave her one backhander she'd have absolutely lagged up on her side now she's seven pounds worse off with Breeze and she's got eight lengths to find but I, I, the, the interesting, the other interesting thing about her is the fact they ran her over ten furlongs in France. Might Buick be tempted to make the running on her? Something has to make the running here. They obviously have some belief in, in in her stamina, so it's potentially she could have a tactical edge. But I don't want to dwell too much on that because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, just on the pace, I've had Maggie's way down as a most likely leader. Baxi Dart, maybe even Stenton Glider with a question mark as well. So yeah, yeah, there's the no guarantee. Yeah, front runner in that. I agree. Yeah. Well, so far, Kevin, between TC and Brendan, we've thrown about four darts at the board. <laughs> Do you want to positive mentions for a good few here? Do you want to provide some clarity and the final say in the distance? 
Yeah, I'd like Breeze if she were drawn lower. I think twelve and twelve with a with a you know question marks all over the pace map make makes her quite a, a, a risky proposition at the price. Um, and I could just see the case for Brightstones that um, that Brendan mentions like last time was a disaster, but like it it was a fair old declaration of intent to bring her over for the for the pre San Allery, you know, after she'd only run okay in the Fred Darling, like she clearly is considered a very nice filly, but it just hasn't quite happened yet. And it might have happened last time if things had gone, uh, you know, a bit smoother. So um, just at a bigger price, you know, somewhat better draw in the middle rather than high. I'm hoping they might be a little bit more forward with her. But um, yeah, this, this, to be honest, this is a race with sort of big, big red flashing lights all around it for me now. It could be a bit of a mess. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important halftime break. Or deposit limits to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18plusbegambleaware.org Let's move on to the big highlight on Saturday, the Coral Eclipse, the Group 1 over the 10 furlongs. And disappointingly, just the four runners. We knew that the field was going to cut up, but we didn't think it would maybe cut up in this way. As a result, Paddington is your even money favourite going down the Giants' causeway route of taking the St. James's Palace over the mile, having run in the Guineas, having won an Irish Guineas, and then now steps up to the 10 furlongs, takes on the older horses and the filly in Emily Upjohn, who's 11 to 10, comes her off the back of the very impressive Coronation Cup win at Epsom when we last saw her. Then Dubai Honor back from his international travels as another older horse in here, 11 to 1 for the William Haggis Yard. And West Wind Blows was thrown in for Simon and Ed Crisford. It's 25 to 1. Jamie Spencer booked to ride this horse. The likely pace angle in this small field tactical affair, Brendan Duke. But the bottom line is all we need to know is who wins it. Oh, you're not going to like sitting on the fence, are you? I mean, it's very difficult not to sit on the fence here, Vanessa, is it? I mean, on ratings, Paddington 123, Emily up, up John 120. So the assessor says that given her sex allowance, they should they should they should finish together. Uh the the pace is very interesting. I mean, like you, it should be West Wind Blows, but Aiden, Aiden is just he's all over this horse. He's 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 got joints causeway vibes all I mean, he would probably say to Ryan, if you want to make the run in here. Go ahead. We have every confidence in this horse's stamina. In fact, we think he's going to improve for the step up the 10 furlows. And if you think Spencer is sort of taking the Michael on the front, you can go and make whatever pace you want. And bear in mind, of course, Ryan, in many ways, made his bones in this race by his tactical master. I'm not, I'm not now Cato. So, uh, I, I, I mean, that's just a guess. But I feel like Aiden has complete faith in this horse and he's thinking about Joyce's cause. I mean, what a man he is. What a race he's given us here. But the, the interesting thing is, so Emily Upjohn ran over a mile and a half the last day. Paddington is a miler, obviously. Who has the more electric turn of foot? I put it to you, Vanessa, that I think it's the Upjohn. And I mean, she, she it's, it's only one run because she was so keen in the, in, in the King George last year. She was so keen in the Phillies and Mares race on Champions Day. Now, granted, she still won that. That's how talented she was. But she settled like a lamb in Epsom. These are very encouraging signs for this filly in terms of realising her full potential. I feel like it's probably going to be a relatively tepidly run race. 
and the potent turn of foot that Emily Upjohn has versus Paddington just being a little bit more of a grinder and a wind-up merchant, I feel like just gives the edge to Emily Upjohn, but I won't actually be having any money. I'm just uh, on the bet race. I'm just looking forward to it. Okay, we're one vote in for Emily Upjohn. Over to you, TC, to make your case and cast your vote, please. Are you with Brendan that Emily Upjohn might be the horse with the better turn of foot in here? Yeah, I think she might be from what we saw at Epsom. Uh, whether or not that will be allowed to come into play, uh, we shall see. Uh, like Brendan, I won't be having a bet, so my opinion's pretty much worthless. But I think Paddington will improve for the step up to a mile two out of a Montjuic mare that went over a mile five. Everything about his run style suggests he's, he could even excel over a mile two. Um, yeah, um, Ryan, maybe six seconds, kick three out. And whether Emily Upjohn would be able to get to him, I'm not so sure. But four on a race, no, nothing massive in the price. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the money came from Paddington. He went off about four or six. But no bet for me, but Paddington... Uh, as the market suggests, the most likely winner. Okay, so Kev, we've got a vote for Paddington, a vote for Emily Upjohn. How do you see the race panning out? As TC said there, maybe West Wind blows might be just starting to struggle with two and a half to go. Paddington starts applying the pressure. Emily Upjohn comes there cantering, but can she get past Paddington? Um, yeah, look, I think Westwood Blows is probably going to make it. Uh, Spencer will make it to suit himself. Like, he's not a bad old horse now. They wouldn't want to give him a freebie or anything. Um, I think Paddington is, is quite versatile. I think they'd be happy to sit handy with him. Maybe Dubai Honor following him and Emily Upjohn dropped in um, with Buick, you know, really focusing on getting her relaxed um, because we've seen with her before, like, she, she can get quite strong at times. And, you know... Frankie was really helped with her at Epsom in that they went end to end in the Coronation Cup despite the small field. And like he rode very quietly. And like like Brendan says, like, gee, she's quick. You know, she's quick at a mile and a half. She, you know, coming back to 10, it'll be no trouble. Um, but getting her relaxed will be the key. And Paddington, like they, they might, they, they, they probably would prefer a small bit of cover with Paddington. Not because he, he needs it as such, but just because it's his first go at the trip. And they'd probably like him. Uh, Ryan will be thinking that'll be objective A for him too, right? Just get relaxed and get comfortable. Um, but I favour Paddington, the way I see the race playing out in my head. Um, like he, I, I think the trip will, will certainly suit him. It could well, you know, bring about some improvement. He's been taking relentless steps forward. Um, you know, that Montju blood, you can kind of you can see it in him physically, and you, you'd think it might be there in terms of the stamina reserves he puts into him as well. Um, so yeah, look, really looking forward to it. Um, you know, four runners, but look, we're we're fairly accustomed to small field eclipses. I just had a look there. I think in the last ten years, there's only been three occasions where there was more than seven runners. Um, so th this is what we've come to expect. Um, and look, tactically, really interesting. But uh, Paddington would be the um the 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 token selection, like the lads. I wouldn't it wouldn't be a bullish betting opinion. Okay, watching brief for many of us then. On we go over to Haydock, guys, and we kick off with the 205 up at Haydock over the one mile six. It's the handicap. It's a competitive class two for the three-year-olds. Rogue C is currently the four-to-one favourite for Tom Clover. He is making his handicap debut and stepping dramatically up in trip with it. He's already shown him to be a pretty decent individual. He's got an opening mark of 90 to go to war with. He takes on Pledge of Allegiance, who's your five-to-one next best in the market for Samart Prescott. This horse has been the 
bit of a revelation since stepping up in trip and coming onto the turf, two from two in that regard, looking for the hat trick. And then further down, you've got a horse like Lordship TC at eight to one. I was at Yarmouth when this horse won over the uh, this trip at Yarmouth only a week or so ago in the coziest fashion you'll ever see a race be won in, really. Adam Farragher wrote that day, rides again. Quick turnaround for him. He'll appreciate a bit more cut in the ground. Be intrigued to see how he gets on. But this, as I said at the top, is very competitive, I thought. Yeah, I suppose you'll need all of the four places you're getting with the sports book here if you are playing each way. But I thought Lordship was that rarity, uh, a William Haggis improver in a handicap who offers a bit of value. Um, I thought eight to one, four places is a very good each way bet for Lordship. Um I like I like him on every level. I think I've got five in here. I like to go forward, so I think you're going to get a stalking ride from stall thirteen. Um, I like the fact he's had a sight of the track here in May. Um, I suspect they thought he was going to win there, but he actually bumped into a horse that's won two or three times since. Is now rated nineteen pounds higher, so that's a very good run. Uh, pissed up in his Chepstow novice, and as you said, actually gagged up again at Yarmouth last time when running off the ceiling mark of 77 and a 0 to 75. So this is a, a step up in class, but, you know, the handicapper stuck his finger in the air and raised him eight pounds. Who knows if that should have been two or should have been 18. I suspect it's probably <laughs> nearer 18 than eight. So, yeah, uh, I think Lordship's got everything going for it. Um, eight to one, four places is very, very good each way. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went off favourite, to be honest with you. Lordship for me, each way. So it's Lordship for TC then. And just to add a little, little note of interest for anyone who cares, when I was at Yarmouth, obviously interviewed um, Team Haggis that day, and they were very sure that just a little bit more juice in the ground would be a big benefit to Lordship. And they were pretty confident there was plenty more to come from this individual. So that might just add a bit of flesh to the bones. But TC's selection is Lordship in here. Uh, Brendan, over to you. Please Kate, make your case for one of these three-year-olds well again another difficult race but at least it promises to be a strongly run race so i'm looking forward to that pledge of allegiance have uh, made the running last time in and proved very difficult to pass impossible to pass in fact for that campaign trail who looks at potentially well handicapped horse for Ray Beck, and he had finished in front of two subsequent scorers on his previous start pledge of allegiance just looks a typical prescott horse bit larry but honest in his way and hard enough to pass uh, and I don't mind the fact that he will be taken on for the, I'd say he, he, they'd be happy to take a lead and once it's a really strongly run race he's, he's, he's very stoutly bred see the stars out of a motivator mare uh, he, now he got seven pounds for winning that race but it was eight lengths back to the third granted a, a small field race but I do think he beat a well handicapped horse I think he could, he could cope with the rise and I, again I thought he was just about the most likely winner in the race all right, and over to you, Kevin. Last word on this race. Yeah, I tell you what, looking down, should uh, I love these three-year-old lonely handicaps like this because the, the, the pedigrees are unbelievable. Like there's plenty of broken dreams in here, or semi-broken dreams at least. But um, one that, in <laughs> fairness, looks looks to be marching, um, despite you know much bigger aspirations, no doubt, is Galactic Jack, um, Andrew Balling by Galileo out of Jack Naylor, who who I'm sure Brendan remembers, trained by Jesse Harrington, well, was a right good filly. Um, I don't think she won a group one, but she she was second in Irish Oaks, I think. Um, and look, he went a bit missing in the trials in the first half of the season and wasn't up to that. But handicap debut last time um, did his best to to throw it away. 
at Salisbury. Um, it was hanging left, and uh, but look, ultimately managed to win and win probably a bit snugly at the line. Um, clearly loads of ability in there. Um, I think going up and trip won't be an issue, and going this way around um, should be a big help. Um, you know, lovely and tactically versatile, like your front runner around Haydock. Excuse me. Um, so stall nine might have a little bit of work to do to get there, but um, yeah, I thought Galactic Jack um, was on a bit of a march and might be able to drive on past his revised mark of 95. Beautiful. The beautifully bred Galactic Jack. On we go to Lancashire Oaks, which is the 240 at Haydock over the mile, four furlongs. Mimic U is currently at the top of the market at six to five, dropping back down to the 12 furlongs today, this day, taking on Sea Silk Road, who's nine to two for the Haggis Yards, who's at her optimum trip. And TC, I put it to you, is that the right price difference between those two horses? Like, I don't know. I'm surprised Mimic U is so sure in this, actually. Yeah, yeah so do I, I, I couldn't really work this race out, but I knew as I saw the prices, I'd want to be against Mimic U. Uh, the sport right. are shortest price. Um, I had it in my head that I'd be happy to lay Mimic U at six to four and have the field running for me at four to six. And just looking at the prices appear uh, on this check at the moment, I think you're going to have to go to bigger than six to four to get her in the book. Um, I just, I'm obviously, she did me a massive turn in the first time hood last year, but she just hasn't kicked on from there. And they just decided to get rid of the headgear here. She didn't travel very kindly in it uh, last time. And, you know, I think, uh, I think she she's the kind of horse that the new whip rules kind of like go against because she was she was responding to the whip, but the jockey had to put it down close home. She traded at 101 and got chin right on the line. So uh I think there are doubts about her. She hasn't got that much in hand, even if she comes back to form. Uh wrist year I could make the case for. I'm penalized for a group one win, but trip's a big doubt. Um I couldn't pin it down to one, another horse. I was I was quite impressed by Peripatetic at uh, Goodwood last time, but she ain't going to get her own way in front here. So the way I'm going to play it is if I can lay Mimic you at around four to six on the exchange and have the field running for me, uh, uh, six to four and have the field running for me at four to six, that's the way I'll bet the race. All right, Brendan, are you in agreement with me and TC that Mimic you is too short a price in mm. this against these horses? I am. I mean, just on ratings and how long it took her to, to, to well, she didn't get on top ultimately, but to almost get on, on top in York over a mile and six, a mile and four. Now, the peripatetic and time lock, she's probably going to get a reasonable pace to aim at here. But I thought I would just be in the forgiving mood at these prices and take a chance on the highest rated horse in the race, Aristia who you will remember from finishing second to Nashua in, in the NASA and then backing up and winning a group one in Deauville, comes back in York, complete disaster, lost her two front shoes, just, just throw the race out. I take Tony's point about the trip. It's a long time since she's tried a mile and a half, but I noted her settling better in those two races towards the end of last season that I mentioned earlier, which would probably give connections hope. And she settled perfectly well in York as well. So that she's going to give herself a chance to stay the trip. Um, and I just thought at six to one, if you were of a forgiving bent, which I've chosen to be, she's the highest rated filly in the race, right? Yeah, Aristia, as you say, six to one for the Hannon team. And we are of a forgiving nature, aren't we, Kevin? You're always trying to impart that knowledge to us. Just be more <laughs> forgiving in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aristia, Aristia will do for me on that team. Uh, yeah, look, I just think she's better than these. 
Um, like her form at the back end of last season was really strong in this context. Mimiku, um, I don't know if that rating is is fair with her. I think it might be a shade inflated. Um, and Aristia, I, I'm, I think the trip's going to be fine. Um, I think the trip's going to be fine. Um, now, you'd love her to get her own way in front. She may not, but it should be up there. And um, that's the run style I like around here. Um, so look at the price. I think it's, it's, it's pretty fair. Um, unpenalized group one winner on we go Aristia alright two votes for Aristia then at sixes on we go to the old Newton Cup guys oh, over the mile for nice easy long. one nice easy mm-hmm. one yeah uh, Layakel is your five to one favourite currently that may well change comes here making his belated seasonal reappearance for the Haggis team had a progressive year last year but hasn't been seen since so off a long time then the Charlie Fellows horse whose name I don't like pronouncing but is here on the hat trick bid I'll leave that to Brendan at 11 to 2 Sheer Rocks is in there for Eve Johns Norton and Maxard who I think Kevin Blake gave a bold shout to at Royal Ascot uh when he last ran in the Duke of Edinburgh, he's eight to one. Kevin, should we come to you first here just on to ask you if you're of a forgiving nature when it comes to Maxud or have you gone somewhere else? Yeah, I will. Like you can see the yeah. theme emerging. Like, and, and it's all I, I always find it the same in the weeks after Royal Ascot, I find myself um being forgiving and persevering because there's there's so often just a, a very genuine excuse at Ascot. Like we know it's the hardest place in the world to win a feckin' race. So um playing yeah, doesn't take much it, it doesn't take much to go wrong. And in fairness, in the case of Maxud, like it's really clear. Like I did really like him. I know he was well fancied that day and the race just went terribly. They went um the pace map didn't look that hot in the Duke of Edinburgh. And I thought he might get um be nicely positioned on the front end. And it turns out they they just went they were just went pretty bananas, um not quite as bad as the as the was the King George the fifth but they went pretty strong here overly strong and he was up there um forcing and he just did too much and he paid for it um now back to Haydock a track where I like front runners as I mentioned a few times um drawn twelve which isn't ideal but as long as he's nice and forward um that'll do for me um like he's he's well handicapped he's got dropped another two pounds. Um, I think it will happen with him. Um, hopefully it happens here. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely want to be with him again. Okay, so we're being forgiving about Maxud. We're going again if your team Kevin Blake. Brendan Duke, you tipped up the fellow's horse when he ran at Haydock last time. He won that day for you. He comes here. He's been climbing up the weights. He's 11-2 to two here. This is more competitive, obviously, for him again. But will he get that lead and go from the front in a race like this? Absolutely fascinating, Vanessa. You could have a situation. And in fairness to you, you were very much of the similar mind with the Cumulo Nimbus the last day. They get a soft lead, but the market completely dismissed us. The horse just walked in the betting. I don't uh, look trapped light. I'm just trying to predict these. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to get it to get a soft lead because you could have the the old weather forecast for the first two here with Cumulo Nimbus and all right sunshine but you also have a situation where two of the pace angles i have this uh, written down here are knightswood and wooden sun who are the two reserves but certain lad is entered in the 415 in sandown on the same day so i don't know which of his options he's going to take up and if there are any non-runners you will have another pace angle get into the race so that's a long-winded way of saying I don't think Cumulo Nimbus is going to have it as easy in front as he did the last time. And that brings into the into play this one smooth operator. 
who I think has run reasonably really well actually on his uh, last two starts in, in in Hamilton and behind the Nimbus in in Haydock, despite not having a strong pace to run it, which is exactly what he wants, and he's got a really good chance of, of, of getting just that set up here to bring him into the race. He should be reasonably well handicapped. He was beaten two lengths off 95 in a competitive share of our cup handicap around this time last year. He gets in here off 92. He's 16 to 1. It, it could be a bit of a cheap late gains monkey. That, 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 that is possible. But at that price, I think you can take a chance each way. And that price is currently 12 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook in the Competitive Old Newton Cup. Final word on this, TC, for you. How did your pace map look? Um... Very similar to that. I had, what did I have? Knightswood, obvious question mark. Um, the Nimbus, Maxwood, question mark. All right, Sunshine. So very similar to Brendan. Um, for all the reasons Brendan said, I have backed Knightswood this morning at 16s and 14s. Uh, I'll be If I owned or trained Knightswood, I'd get straight on the phone to Jack Shannon saying, take your horse out by the designated time, whether or not it's, one o'clock on for races like this or <laughs> I'm not sure but I'd just say look Jackie just make your bloody mind up run that run certain lad at sand down on Friday let me run because I'm an eight to one shot not a 16 to one shot very impressive at Ripon um up six pounds which I think is very fair so Knightswood it would be the bet in the race at 16 if it runs obviously we're doing this on Thursdays so we don't know uh mm-hmm. is very well backed first time up when he got pulled out in May. So Sportsbook, a top price back that uh, five to one, five places, five places. Um, basically, I haven't made my mind up as and when Knights will get in, but I'll, well, I can definitely see one smooth operator. Massive eye catcher last time. I'm very surprised there's 14s knocking around um, as we speak. And that was available in about six or seven places. So that's sort of an isolated one. So the 12s on Sportsbook's fair. And I'm, right at the moment, Knightswood, and I'm probably going to have a little bit on Surumi each way as well because I thought that was giving a terrible ride over a mile six behind the Gold Cup winner at Goodwood last time. Down in trip, a little bit better ground. Yeah, so Knightswood and Surumi at the moment, so I'll probably just end up with Surumi each way. Beautiful. All right, then. That has been a rattle through Sandown and Haydock's ITV races. Before we wrap up, let's have naps, naps, naps. This is it. Brendan, you're looking surprised. We asked for your nap at the end of each and every single Race the Only Better show. So you can go first for that look yes. of surprise as punishment. Quite, r- quite right, Vanessa. Gammon reef for me. Uh, 225 Sandem Spirit Catcher. Beautiful, beautiful. Over to you, TC, your nap, please. Uh, Lordship, when in place. Yes, come on, the Lordship. I'll be rooting for you, TC. And Kevin Blake. Mac Sud in the All Newton Cup. Mac Sud again because we are a pod of a forgiving nature. Beautifully done, guys. Be Don't yourselves. forget Bet Five, Get Five. Don't forget that sports book offer on Saturday. Have a great weekend, but do remember to gamble responsibly, please. And join us again on Monday, where even pre the weekend, we're going to have loads to talk about on Weighed In. And we'll, of course, have the Coral Eclipse as well on the running order. So join us again on Monday. But for now, have a good one. Do it responsibly. Enjoy yourselves.